The Art Of is a podcast with the sole intent of meeting with artists that work in a variety of mediums. I'm your host, Alex Donovan. Come join us as we dig deep into how different artists work and run their creative endeavors. Uh, hello, and welcome to The Art Of. Our guest today is the amazing talent, Elizabeth Donaldson. Director, producer, actor, dancer, model, thrifter, and as of late, a professional seamstress. She has conquered corners of the internet, national news, and social media, and even finds the time to give to many, many other people. We are honored to have her here today. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, that was like such a beautiful intro. <laughs> I was like, wow, like I am those things. Like, I feel, it makes me feel so special. So I don't even know. It makes me feel really good. Well, you are accomplished. And I have this theory about doing a show, though, is that you can have a really great intro and a really great outro. The rest of the show could suck. <laughs> make, make sure the, the bookends of the show are good. So <laughs> Make sure the beginning, just make sure the people know, like... <laughs> This test is great. Well, you you nailed it. You nailed it uh, on that one. Let's see how we do on the outro. Uh, no, well, it's your accomplishments. Um, you do a fantastic job. Um, Thank you. So I actually share a kinship with you as a dancer. Uh, so that was one of the things I first wanted to talk about. Um, because I was a dancer long, many, many years ago. Almost felt like a lifetime ago. Oh, my God. you! I did not know this about you. It's true. Yeah. I, uh, ballet, jazz, theater. I did that up and for about 10 years, up until what? About 13, 14, somewhere on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's started very amazing. young. Amazing. That's amazing. That's, <laughs> that makes me, I, well, I love, I love dancers always. I mean, I, I'm obsessed with dance just in general, mm-hmm. but also like guy dancers. I just feel like that's a whole other really awesome thing. Cause it's not as common, I think, you know, because unfortunately there's like, sometimes there's suppression on guys going into dancing. And so not as many guys, I mean, now more and more because there's all kinds of like yummy, fun, like mm-hmm. traditionally masculine forms of dancing. But mm-hmm. I, that's so cool. That's so cool. Do you ever just <laughs> like, do you ever turn on some tunes and just like get down anymore or, or not so much? I do. I do. My wife catches me dancing in the bathroom and then I, I love music. So yeah. I always have music on. So I'm always like humming or dancing or moving around. And then she always laughs at me because <laughs> I get into it. I just love the beat, you know, and I always have. Um, but this isn't about me. So we're going to talk about you. <laughs> no, 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 I just love that. I know I'm the worst. Well, I'm very, um, I'm a funny person that like, I'm very interested in other people and I hate talking. Sure. I don't hate talking about myself because obviously I've done a ton of podcasts and sometimes I get on a riff and I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'm loving this. I'm sharing my wisdom. But but <laughs> I, I just get really curious about people, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God. No, there's nothing wrong with that, but you just turned the table on me. So I'm going to turn back around here. <laughs> so. <laughs> so did you start as a dancer or did you begin with acting? Um, you know, now that you asked me that question, it's funny that like, I mean, I was dancing when I was really young, like my mom uh-huh. was in ballet. I don't even remember. I was like, 
I mean, I was one of those teeny tiny cute little ballet kid. You know what I mean? I can see mm-hmm. this picture. I'm like visualizing this really cute picture of me when I was a sugar plum in the Nutcracker. And I was like, so cute. <laughs> I was like a whole <laughs> sugar plum outfit and like with this little bonnet and smiling so big. And I, it's fun. Wow. I don't just like when I think of this, it really brings me back. Um, hmm. This is a sidebar, but have you ever noticed what the thing that I love so much? Maybe it's not like this for other, for other people, but like those moments when you realize that like the, the person that you were when you were like five is like exactly the same as who you are today. <laughs> and you, in some ways. Yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or you see it yeah. in like kids that you've like watched them grow up. So I, I think of myself in this like cute little sugar plum outfit, just being so stoked to dance. And I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm the same person. Um, but yeah, I, um, so I was dancing when I was really young and then I stopped for a while because, um, I had like a really mean teacher and my mom was like, fuck this. And like, <laughs> just took <laughs> me out. Um, and then I started to get back into it again. Once I started getting back into pursuing acting professionally, I had a dance teacher, I mean, an acting teacher, um, who was giving me a critique and I was sitting at the edge of the stage, like a hoodlum, like slouched over, you know, just sitting on the edge of the stage for my critique with like the worst posture that the world has ever seen. And he was so then I started taking classes really, really, really intensively, um, mm. like jazz and modern and, you know, just like getting back into it. And, um, and that went on for quite some time and was the best thing it was the best advice ever (laughs) because I think, you know, dance informs your whole entire life. Like there's skills that you Mm -hmm. will learn through dance that no matter if you don't ever, you know, if you're not going to become a professional dancer, the body awareness and the ability to communicate Mm -hmm. with your body and to move, especially as an actor or performer, to be able to move gracefully. Um, all those things are life skills that, you know, they never leave you and they're really helpful. So I agree. Yeah. It was that whole understanding your body as a tool, like using yes. it as like a tool and like it, it's giving you all these options as a dancer to do more with it. So yes. you're I saying it, it, it helps your acting. Oh my God. Wrong. Yeah. It's so much like even different things like, um, even like in modeling, like knowing how to hold my body or create, you know, interesting poses and photo shoots or, mm. um, particularly with acting. Cause I, I would consider myself, um, I didn't really realize this until this year that I'm a very physical actor. Um, Mm. And, and I also did two feature films last year that were very physical. One was like a really heavy physical comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. And there was everything. I mean, there was like me carrying someone and screaming and like, like lots of almost falling and, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot of physical comedy. Um, and my, for, for whatever reason, my character specifically had to do the brunt of the like really intense <laughs> moving. Um, and then um, the other movie that I shot over New Year's was like a psychological thriller, kind of like horror. Um, and there was a lot of physicality in that, you know, like different dangerous situations and different things. And so... Uh, yeah, there's just a lot that your body is doing. And, and as an actor too, I think there's a certain technical side to acting that people who haven't done a tremendous amount of film work don't think of, you know, a lot of times when you think of acting, you think of like impulses and emotions and being a good actor, but Mm -hmm. there's a whole other side to it of doing a take and doing that same take the same way 
20 times mm. from different angles mm. and you have to keep, you have to have your hand in the same place and you have to stand here and you have to hit certain marks because if you don't, the continuity's off and the edit looks like shit. So right. that's this whole other really fascinating science and aspect of acting that like nobody ever really talks about that, you know, like, um, and it's kind of hard to learn. Um, hmm. You kind of learn the skills. I mean, I guess there could be classes where you do different takes. I could consider that there could be workshop atmospheres where you could learn that. But it's that's a whole thing that like nobody really like you learn that when you're on set and you're like, oh, I'm delivering this highly emotionally charged monologue to the the camera. Cool. Cool. Yeah. That's the uh, Ian McKellen when he did that interview uh, with the Balrog and Lord of the Rings. He talked about that and he goes, well, what did they have something there? And he goes, no, nah, it was just a big tennis ball that I looked at that I yelled at. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Well, because sometimes right. you can't. And, and I've had times where like, you know, when we were shooting this movie uh, over New Year's, it was there were times where the the eye line that you have to look at and the thing that you have to look at is so specifically placed. And if you look you know, a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, especially in a close up, it's going to really mess up the eye, what they call the eye line of the shot, which is right. the direction that your eyes for people who don't know about this, it's the direction that your eyes are looking and it has to match up. You know, when you cut between characters, it has to match up. And, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes when my, when my counter actor or my acting partner was sitting there, it would actually distract me more to the point mm. where like, it was very difficult for me to do the scene because you want to look in the eye of your scene partner, but you have to look at a dot next to the camera. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like, okay, cool. Like you can just stand back there, you know, but right. that's a whole, you know, that's a really interesting challenge to tackle as an actor that I think throws a lot of people off when they first get into it. They're like, oh, wait, <laughs> like I was really good in acting class, but this is really hard, you know? I mean, what an incredible amount of control that would have to take oh, to do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and that's what it really does because you have to do, I don't know, like, I mean, I think that's why I like acting so much because there's a, there's a, a huge aspect to it that's really, um, I don't know, like visceral and intellectual and, and very like mentally challenging. Um, and, and that makes it really exciting for me to pull it off because it's like this game that you're playing that you're like, okay, cool. Well, I have to be in character. I need to be in the moment. I need to be here following my impulses, but you, you have to have this tiny portion of your brain knowing where your light is, knowing where the camera is, knowing, you know, I remember we were shooting this really 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 emotional scene um on new year's new year's eve um and we had two cameras and it it was like i have to simultaneously act but also you know if my hair is falling in front of my face i have to tuck it at just the right time to make sure that doesn't cover my eye and tip my chin up just enough to catch that light and all of those things and I, I think for me, it's it's been very useful because I do direct and I am a photographer. Right. But I can sort of have this third eye that's outside that's able yeah. to sort of gently pay attention without, you know, I can still be very, very, very in the scene, but I just have this sort of little antenna that's like, hey, Elizabeth, like, <laughs> you know, because things like that make or break it. Like it's, it's knowing that sort of, and again, back to dance, it's knowing that physical poetry that's going to tell the story. Because I think the thing that I love that I'm 
it like makes me almost teary eyed right now because it's that, you know, cause we're not shooting with the, with everything that's going on. There aren't sets happening and right. talking about it. I'm like, Oh my God, I love it so much. Like, um, but it's this really, really, really beautiful dance of all these different artists working together in highly specialized roles to create the story. And, that, and it's so fun for me to be part of the filmmaking process because you see that, you know, a lot of times when you're just sort of a civilian and you're watching a film, you sort of think like, okay, there's the director and there's the actors. Those are the only mm-hmm. people that you ever really think about. And in the media, those are the people that are usually given a lot of praise. Although now with social media, other people are getting known more. But, right. um, you know, sometimes it's like, it's the music that plays at a certain moment that creates the emotional impact of the story, or it's the director of photography deciding to take the camera and push in gently that gives Mm -hmm. a scene an emotional um, feel, or it's the way, I mean, I've seen things made or broken in the way that they're edited, you know, sure, you can take, especially with things like comedy. um, But I think with anything, you can take something and edit it like at all the right, timing and make it so 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 funny and you can take that same footage and that exact same performance and put it with the wrong music and make the cuts a little too long and suddenly you just sucked all the fun right out of it you know so Mm -hmm. it's interesting you say as a big as a ballet it really is yeah it's such an amazing coordinated effort yeah so many different people and viewpoints coming together to make that one moment Right? right? It's like a, like a freaking symphony. Right. It, it is. like literally is like, or it's like a ballet where you have like the symphony in the freaking, uh, I don't know what that's called, the pit and then the ballet dancers. And mm-hmm. and it's, it's especially yummy when um, I've been really lucky. I love Nashville is a really beautiful, wonderful filmmaking community. Like I just, mm. I love, I love Nashville so much. I could cry. I have cried. I will cry. I'm really obsessed with Nashville. Um, because the people here are so kind, like even in just what happened and how people responded after the tornadoes. Um, right. I just like, people are very level-headed and loving in this city and it translates into the acting world. And, um, you know, I'm sure that maybe not every set is like, is good vibes everywhere. But in Nashville, you know, every set that I've ever been on has just been a wonderful 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 experience everyone's so kind um and so respectful and yeah and so it's just really I love it like it's just it's such a delight and it's it was it's been really fun for me working with people who I really admire um and like really seeing their talents and seeing you know what they bring to the table and how excited I always get really obsessed with the camera department (laughs) I don't know why I just like I don't think that a camera operator is something that I'm never going to be, even though in some directing I've shot some of my own things, but given the option, I would bring in a director of photography any day, all day. Um, I don't like to shoot my own stuff, um, <laughs> which is ironic because I'm a photographer, but I just, it's, I, I prefer to have somebody else handle the highly technical aspects of it. You know, like I'm not a geek so much in that way, but um it's so yeah. fun to watch how they operate the camera or how much camera operators, how much they love their equipment and they get so excited about it. And they have, 
I have two friends who were both directors of photography and they were um, having a Facebook live conver- or Instagram live conversation. And they were like geeking out about like <laughs> lighting and like, and, and I didn't even know what they were talking about, but I was just like, I love, I love these guys. Like they're so into this, you know? Oh, you, you kind of have to, you kind of have to have, make it as a passion you, yeah. that was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But we, but we talk about these collaborations that you're, you're doing here. You know, you're working with a lot of different people, yeah. all these different backgrounds. You love working in Nashville, Nashville, but how do you, how do you navigate the collaborations? Like, is there a little bit of a politicking on it or like, how, how do you end up working with all these people who have all these different viewpoints and skill sets and artistry going into what you're doing either as a director or an actor? Sure. I mean, that's a, that's a really, really good question. Um, for me, I think it's just a matter. I've, I've always been in a situation where the collaborations have felt pretty seamless, you know, um, and pretty effortless. Um, and so, and I, and I guess I've found that, you know, the best way to navigate anything and it's, it's how I direct and it's how I, um, it's just how I feel as a human in general. It's how I like to manage is, is you find a good team and then you let mm. them get on with it. I think that's a simplicity, you know, like if you've, if you're, ha- I, sometimes I feel like if you're having a problem on set, it's, you probably don't, you probably just didn't pick the right team, you know? Mm. Um, and, mm. and a lot of times we know those things going into it. Like I, I've had collaborations uh, that didn't go so well. Um, mm. And I knew before I ever, before the actual thing even started, you know, I would have this nagging thought in the back of my head of like, oh man, I don't know about this, you know? Um, and then it wouldn't go so well, but I've always, I mean, every project I've directed, I usually work with, uh, I have the same, I have like a small crew that I work with pretty traditionally and they're just all great. And I think it's like everyone wearing their hat, like doing their role. And I find, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, um, in projects, it's really cool because everybody, uh, like, okay, for instance, the movie that I shot over the new year, our, um, our guy who was a camera operator was also an actor and he was also, um, he was also a director of photography, but he was, uh, wearing the hat of assistant camera. Um, and the girl who was our director of photography, she also does directing. Um, the girl who was our makeup artist also is a director. Um, but everybody stayed in their lane. Um, nice. and was really respectful, but was able to contribute and have that sort of like emotional intelligence and intelligence about like filling in the blanks, but they didn't step on anybody's toes, but then they were able to contribute in a really intelligent way. So I think it's simple. Okay. I mean, yeah. I think it's just about finding, you find the right team, man. Everything else just goes. I love it. I absolutely love it. That's so great. It's just finding the like-minded people and like being like, okay, we're going to work together and let's like make it, let's make it happen. Totally. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, I always find that it's super important to work with really positive people. Um, you know, oh, no, that's not true. No. <laughs> <laughs> you should always work with really negative people. But I, um, you know, for me, when I'm finding people who it, it's really important for me to have people that want to work, that love to work, that love to work mm-hmm. in any capacity. Um, you know, I've had short-lived experiences with people who uh, who seem to resist working <laughs> or gripe or whatever, and I just never worked with those people again. Um, sure. I mean, I'm a hard, I'm a hard worker. You know, 
like I'll do, mm-hmm. I'll do any job and I'll do it to the end. And, um, so it's, I think it's important to surround, to make sure that your team is just people who are like filled with the joy of working, you know, cause for me, working is a really like, it, it can be hard and it can be exhausting, but it's also like, there's so much joy to just like creating and producing and, and working, you know? Absolutely. So this is, you can make me thinking of something here about you're, you're, you're working, 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 you're putting all this effort into it and you're making something, you're making something, but do you ever, I know I run into this, but mm-hmm. do you ever run into like a wall yourself? You have all these things going on and then all of a sudden you're like, you're like, you hit a wall and you're like, how do I get past this wall? Like, do you ever run into that as a creator? Like what kind of wall? Um, it could be uh, self-imposed, you know, like, I'm not sure if I, if I can do this or it could be, you know, this seems too daunting or I'm not sure what I want to do next. Like I get plagued sometimes with like, sure. um, I'm, a, I'm a photographer myself. Yeah. So I get played with like, okay, well, I have this thing in front of me. Like, what do I do with it? And then all of a sudden you feel like you have this white canvas kind of syndrome of like, oh no. Like, what Where do am I, I going to go with? Yeah. And you've been working, working, working so much. And all of a sudden you get hit, like, you feel like you hit a stop on it. You're like, so oh. then, I think, you know what I think happens to me more so than that? Cause I'm like weird. Like, like sometimes people ask me the question, they're like, what inspires you? And I'm like, literally anything, literally <laughs> like point to an object in a room and I'll get in file. Like, right. Cause I have a really, my imagination is like, it's it's like a wonderland and like it never stops like even whenever I play that game I always it's it's bad I distract myself whenever I say that like (laughs) then what I start I'm in my bedroom right now and I'll look around the room and then start looking at things and be like you know I get really interested in them and then I'm like oh and that could be la la but I think my problem more so than getting blocked is um is sometimes I'm doing I don't want to say doing too much because I don't like, I don't think that's the specifics of it, but sometimes I can get myself, I can lose focus. And so there, for instance, I had a project, um, a project that I still want to write for a while. I was like, Oh, it's a pandemic and nothing is relevant. You know, I was just like, nothing that I wanted to write even matters at all. But now that things are sort of settling back down, I'm like, no, I think that joke's still funny. You know? Um, Mm -hmm. but sometimes the things I think, and I think that this happens no matter what level of your career that you're at, um, is that you have to, you're going to get what you put your attention on. So Mm. as a creative, especially for me, because I'm, I'm a multi-hyphenate creative, I always get a lot of people that they want to collaborate and they want to do this and they want to do that. And then even me, I'm like, I want to do this photo shoot and I want to do this thing and I want to make this skit and now I want to write this poem and now I'm going to do a thing and, oh, here's this contest and maybe I should do that. And so sometimes I pull myself in too many different directions. Um, hmm. And then the things that are kind of beefier to do, like, you know, making creating a short film is like a start change stop, like writing your own piece and shooting it and finding the people and producing it. You have to kind of, I have to kind of wrangle myself and be like, okay, Elizabeth, like stop dispersing all over the place and get Mm -hmm. the project done. So I think when it comes to like my, my personal projects that I want to do and the more, um, I guess sort of large scale personal projects, you know, um, mostly like short films and and things of that nature once i'm once i start something like Mm -hmm. i'm a tiger i'll chase it down but 
but sometimes it's just that very beginning stage of like really making it happen and not getting swept away with the, I mean, there's always something to do in the world. You know, there's always art. to sure. And for me, literally like, cause I can, I can take photos. I can take my own photo. I can make an online class. I have a, a garage full of clothes that I can repair. I can, sew. I can make evening gowns. I, it's like, I, <laughs> so, you know, sometimes it's about deciding which thing is going to be the best way to, to move forward. Um, or which project to focus my attention on in that moment. Right. But is it, I don't know, from what I gather, it's just really taking an intense, intense interest in whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Like, you, you know, from an artist's viewpoint, be the artist and be like, well, I have a, such an intense interest in this that it's like, you kind of put the blinders on a bit and be like, I'm going for it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and one thing that's been kind of cool about this whole, like, you know, quarantine thing or whatever. I was talking about this with my other friend, Sally is, um, you know, I've always had this, uh, this thought we live in a world that's filled with a lot of distraction. Um, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like, you know, your brand and you got to do, this. <laughs> there's a lot of advice out in the world, you know, there's right. so much freaking advice. And like, this is what works. And here's this online marketing course. And this way you got to be blue and you got to be red and you got to be silver and you got to, you know, drive around in a ladybug. And, um, and sometimes, you know, we all have that inner voice inside of us or intuition or whatever you want to call it. We all have that knowingness that's like, hey, bitch, this is what you should do. You know, we're like, <laughs> that's saying we know the move to make. And sometimes the move to make feels a lot like jumping off a cliff and whether that that move to make is in the direction of like uh investing a lot in personal enhancement or um jumping off the cliff and making a feature film that you're not really sure about um but i think it's it's a funny thing it's like it's this weird thing that like as a being mm -hmm. your intuition knows that there's something that's very right for you. But then simultaneously, even though, you know, in your heart, you're like, I know that's right. You mm -hmm. have this like weird status quo uncertainty about it. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. like, Oh no. But then like your heart's like, yes, yes, yes. Do this. And so, you know, I think it's just about, um, sometimes you got to jump off the cliff a little bit. And, and I know for me, it was very positive you know, in the quarantine experience to realize like, oh, wait, like I have created myself. I have established relationships. I have built a career. Mm -hmm. If I step away from like, from what I've been doing to do something, not necessarily to do something else, but to like invest myself heavily into one specific project for a certain period of time, even this past year when I was making feature films, it was scary because I'm, I'm a content machine. Like everyone who knows me, my nickname is the content queen. They're like, you're the content queen, you're the content queen. And so, you know, I don't have a publicist or a manager. I, if anybody out there, <laughs> you want to be my publicist, you know, please. Um, but I have an agent, but I don't have a manager or a publicist. So um, whenever I have to dive in to a deep project, it's very, it's like a little scary for me um, because I mm. won't be able to like run my promotion as much. Right. Um, but you, I have to, you know, like when you're on a feature film, that's 12 hour days for however mm. many days that when I shot rattled, that was a 10 day shoot. 
when I shot mm-hmm. Mags and Jules go on a road trip, which was the summer. That was 21 days. I had one wow. day off and they wow. were 12, 12 to 14 hour days. I was living, staying in a hotel room for 20. I was away from home, you know, was living with the producer and it was, that was my whole, I didn't even have my car, you know, like mm-hmm. that was my whole life. Um, and it can feel scary, but then that's the only way that you really get those, that you get that product at the end, right, you know, right, you got to right. step away and you got to do the work. And so, you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's what you said something about, I sort of just rambled so much that I'm like, oh, wow, I'm just in space right now. But yeah, you just have to kind of jump off that cliff and do what you know is right and and take that investment and do it, you know? Totally cool, man. I, I think I think you did answer that. So you're good. <laughs> I got. I'm going on two hours of sleep, so it's all good. Uh, yeah, all good. Well, we talked a lot about discipline here. Yeah, which was really fantastic. Um, but there's one thing I have always admired about what you do with your content, uh, and following and seeing what you do with your work, Instagram, uh, your productions, is that um, you have a very high level of integrity on in what you're doing. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. And uh, you guys like a comparable, and I won't say any names out there of any celebrities, but they kind of go out on these kind of weird PR stunts and oddity to get attention. <laughs> and you, right. They do. And they're like kind of like yeah. odd and they're scandalous and dark and very serious and upsetting. And and, sure. you know, and you're like, oh, that's kind of messed up, right? Yeah. There's like this, like this unethical kind of side to it. So how do you... I guess I'm going to try to, how do I phrase this? How do you, how do you maintain that integrity while also, and you're getting the attention at the same time and you keep that in, like, how do you maintain that without going like, well, I could do this to get me more attention, but I'm just going to stick on this path. Like, how do you, how do you keep that in for yourself? That's yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think I want to reflect well on myself. I want to reflect well on, um, you know, on groups that I'm a part of. Um, Mm. I also feel like it's important as a human to, uh, to create effects that are positive for other people. And Mm -hmm. so I try to be very, and it's also kind of part of my core as a, as like an artist, um, Mm -hmm. and as a being and what I want to create, I want to create positive effects on other people. So, I want to make sure it's not so much that I like, I definitely do not censor myself. I'm very transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, I take certain risks, you know, like I, I would consider that there might be some things that I do or subjects that I talk about or, you know, things about my demeanor that perhaps other people wouldn't necessarily do, or, you know, mm-hmm. people might find bold or risque, you know, I definitely, I swear a lot in various things, but, um, but I just, I always want to, I always want to be able to stand behind everything that I create and I want to create positive effects on other people. So for me, if the purpose of my art is to inspire and to enlighten and to uplift, if I go on some weird bender, um, Mm -hmm. or try to get a cheap laugh or, Mm -hmm. um, or things of that nature, then I'm really going against my own purpose, you know? And, um, And so I just don't, cause I think it, I mean, like I always say with my friends, there's, there's living room humor, which is like the joke that you'll say in your living room to your friends. Right. And, um, and then there's like other humor and, and I do comedy acting. That's like a large part of what I do. I do a lot of comedy 
and certainly there's like, there's things that I think in my mind sometimes that I'm like, oh, haha, that would be super funny. But it's just never going um, it, to, it's living room humor. It's for the living room. I always say some mm. of my best friends get my best jokes. <laughs> they get the, <laughs> the ones that are just like, they're never going to see the light of day because they're just, um, because they might, it's not like I try to be non-offensive because I don't think that's true. Um, but yeah, I just want to create positive effects on people. And I even talk about it with, um, you know, one of my creative partners, we do a lot of like sketch comedy together. Mm -hmm. We always talk about how, when we create our characters, we want them to be people that you kind of, that you love. Um, Mm. I know I don't like to create characters that you kind of like are laughing at because they're losers. Um, Mm. even like we had these women that we created Sharice and Maude and, um, they're these like little, they're these old ladies and they're, they're silly. And we mm-hmm. would have conversations about how we wanted Sharice and Maude to be like lovable. And Sharice and Maude are both like very religious and we didn't ever want to make fun of their, we wanted the fact that they like go to church and love God to be endearing, not something mm. that we were making fun of them for. Um, and in, in a lot of different groups that I'm a part of, like over last summer, I was part of um, I was working on some like writing rooms for a Nashville sketch show. And we had a lot of conversations about that, about making, um, making sure that all of the comedy was that we're laughing with people. Um, and I remember we even had a sketch that we changed the writing on. Like one of the lead guys was like, somebody was like, what about we have this thing and the person has a Bible and la 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 and like one of our head writers was like nah i don't really want to take it like i don't want to make fun of somebody's religion like Mm -hmm. we just want this to be about like people from the south and we don't want to put somebody's religion down so i just always try i mean i think it's just it's the simplicity i just want to create good effects man (laughs) that's good that's good you know it it brings up a really interesting, it could be a very long topic though, but what is, what is the really, truly the responsibility of the artist? Yeah. You know, what, what is their true responsibility within a culture? Um, yeah. I, I've theorized, I've talked with my wife about this um, and theorized that, you know, we have this quarantine going on in so many states around the country. People yeah. are at home. And the last time we really were faced with uh, a pandemic you know, you have the 1918, the flu in 1918, right? Yeah. You also have like the Black Plague. And I looked at like the history of that and you go, what occurred after those moments? Uh, the Black Plague, you had the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only reference like the 1920s. You actually had this really amazing culture of jazz and art that came yeah. out of it between Art Deco. And it was like, it took this traumatic experience for the artists to go, oh, to hell with that. We're going to make a whole new culture out of this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, so that's the question. Like, what is the responsibility of artists in the culture? I was like, well, and in the world, are they really driving it then? I feel like we are. I mean, and that's one thing that always is like, it's a tricky and fascinating thing about being an artist is like mm-hmm. understanding your worth. Um mm-hmm. And understand it because art is so ephemeral. It's it's not something that's always tangible in terms mm-hmm. of like, I can make a, you know, I'm making these cloth masks. I can make a mask. I can give it to a healthcare worker. I can know I made that. It's on their face. I see it. It's it's a direct like point A to point B, you know, like mm-hmm. I helped. Um, if there was a, you know, freaking tornado, you could go to somebody's house and you could clean up the damage and, um you know and you could know like okay i cleaned up that debris out of their front yard i did that thing 
But art sometimes is this very strange, ephemeral thing where I was thinking about it, you know, today, like um, this whole pandemic, music has been essential for me, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like it really, there's, there's two things. I've been listening to this podcast called heavyweight, which I highly recommend. It's about, it's the same people who did this American life and it's the Gimlet guys who they're oh, great. Oh my God. If, if Gimlet is just a great company, I think everything that, because it's the, this American life guys, it's their company and everything they create is gold, but it's this guy who basically, um, finds people. It's so cool. It's such like, I cry every episode. He finds people who have some huge regret or huge moment in their life that really stuck with them that they were never able to like get over and basically goes through the whole process of either reconnecting them with someone or there was one girl who like she never finished this assignment for a teacher that was really meant something to her so that she actually finished the assignment and anyway oh wow wow it's such a good it's so so like two brothers who hadn't talked in eight years who get together and anyways it's a beautiful 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 show um I've been listening to heavyweight and then I listened to just a lot of really good music a whole big gamut of music and, and I was thinking to myself, you know, like, what would it be like, I would be nothing without this music, like this would be a very different experience for me. Um, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of TV, although, you know, TV and Netflix, that movies are cool, too. But I've just been so busy, I haven't. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, these songs have been so meaningful to me. And they've mm-hmm. given me so much. And sometimes that impact is so I don't know. There's there's like an aspect of art that's almost freaking mystical. Um, and so it can be difficult sometimes, I think, for an artist to be like, oh, wait, <laughs> like and I struggle with that even myself because I'm a girl who like I want to go out there and like do I want to clean up the yard, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think I try to I try to strike a balance. I clean up the yard and then I go make some art and then I make the mask and then I go make some art. But yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think it's vital for artists. Artists, they're like magicians. You know, we're literally <laughs> like wild magic superheroes. And so we really, really, really should be using our skills to heal and uplift and help people inspect um, and help people heal, you know, all of those different things. I think it's vital. So where where would the responsibility lie then? Would it lie in... Would it would it lie in actually the help, the intent? Would it does it lie in what they can do for other what the art can do for other people? Or is it really just that that quality, like you say, the mystical quality of like it's it's resonating on a much higher level I think than anything that. else? Because yeah. I think it's you know, this is a, a little sidebar, but it but it's interesting. Yeah. I um I was listening to a podcast with uh, the the writers and director of the movie that I was in. Um in this winter and it's a horror movie and both of them love horror. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody loves horror, but it was interesting because they were talking about, um, the fact that horror gives people this ability to examine really dark things and to sort of like have a catalyst about certain dark subjects and, and basically like spill blood on the stage and never anywhere else. And I had never, I was pretty anti-horror for a long time for almost my whole Mm. entire life. And then I had a crush on a guy who loved horror movies. And then I was directing it like a horror themed music video. And I kind of got really into the genre and was like, Oh wait, this is like not what I thought it was. Oh, Whoa. Um, But 
I think that it can be it can be easy to be like, oh, well, art should be this or we should make a song about puppies or we should let you know what I mean? Like you could you could be like, all the musicians should write songs about making a better world. But sometimes that song about like how much pain you were in uh, resonates with someone at a time they need it. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think there's that. And that's what makes art to me really, really, really fascinating. But I do think I do think that the best thing that an artist can do in terms of responsibility is I do think that it is the responsibility of an artist to dig as deeply into themselves as they possibly can to create mm-hmm. the best communication that they can bring forth. And I do think it's also the responsibility of the artist to do everything they can to be the best human they can be and the best, like the best of them they can be like, do the most self work. You know what I mean? Like you should really, you should really work hard on healing yourself as an artist. And you should really work hard on like digging deep into yourself to bring forth the communication that's within you. So I think that would be the responsibility. And I think that if you did those things, if you were like, okay, cool, I'm going to heal myself. I'm going to be a responsible citizen. Um, mm. And I'm going to really operate with purpose and passion. Then I think that you don't have to worry so much about like, you know, making some pat message because art just doesn't always work that way. In my opinion. Man, that's pretty raw and it make, can make you very vulnerable. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, thing. man, like the, that, the craziest art it is, it's scary. You know, it's like, yeah. I've been trying to go there more with my art. Um, and just even with my content, like I've been trying to be, you know, uh, I call it responsible transparency because I think that sometimes people can get into, they can turn the whole world they can sort of get into this thing where they're like, they're living a life for the internet or they're like throwing up their emotions all over the internet whenever they have an emotion. And I don't think that that's responsible, but, um, but I do think that there's a way that you can go about being very open and very transparent in your life in a way that, you know, protects things that are important to you. Cause not everything is for the internet. Um, but, mm-hmm. and like keeps proper boundaries, but also is very real and very raw. And, um, and it's, it, it's scary, but for me, I found it to be exceptionally rewarding, whether it's content that I'm putting out on the internet or, um, you know, the way that I'm approaching things as an actor or the, the type of, um, content that I'm choosing to bring forth, you know, it's been a while. I haven't done a photo shoot (laughs) in forever because Corona has been with us for a while, but you know, like the stories that I want to tell as a director, um, you know, I feel like the, the, the more you scare yourself, the more exciting and rewarding it becomes, you know? Do you find it cathartic? Um, kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would say I find it rewarding, you know, mm-hmm. and surprising. Mm-hmm. I find it to be, uh, just kind of like a journey. I think that that's, what's really exciting about any project that you're creating is you kind of like you have an idea but you kind of don't know until you do it and then you're like oh whoa you know um mm-hmm. but I don't know I don't know if cathartic is the word that I would exactly use but I think I'm a person who like I'm just kind of I'm living out <laughs> I'm just so <laughs> out there all the time mm-hmm. um 
And I really put myself on the line so much just as a human that I, I don't think there's anything that's like pent up inside of me that's, but sometimes there are, I mean, sometimes there's, that's, what's really exciting about art. It's like discovery. Like, you know, when I was shooting the film this summer, it was like, mm-hmm. it was a challenge of, I was away from home shooting a comedy and I was like really sad. I really missed all my friends and I wasn't expecting that. Um, so I had to kind of fight through the difficulty of like being on a set and being away from all my friends and, you know, not having a car and having 12 hour days and you mm-hmm. know, making it go right to, to be funny um, and kill it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we lost our war. It was an independent. So we lost our makeup girl and our wardrobe girl on day two. Cause she got sick. Oh no. Yeah. And so, oh my God. Yeah. And I took over doing wardrobe and that was, you know, like, that was a lot. So, um, there's different challenges or when I was shooting rattled, it was like, I mean, every single, the whole movie is basically just about like my character getting tormented mentally. Right. It was really, and I, I'm not method, you know, I don't, um, I don't use past painful experiences to create, uh, emotions. I don't believe Mm -hmm. in that. I think it's very destructive to actors, but, um, but when you're wearing that character, you know what I mean? When your body, I would go home and, um, and have like migraines sometimes or headache or my whole body would hurt because my character was that she was such a tense person and uh, in such tense. So I would be, you know, we'd be shooting all day and my, my body would just be locked up because this character was so tense. Um, and then I'd go home and be like, Oh wow, dude, my neck is a rock right now. <laughs> nothing that's elizabeth's neck is usually pretty chill you know yeah no i get it it's it's all it's all it's all the effects of all those emotions that you're using yeah at your disposal and they just kind of sit there for a minute right yeah and it's really cool i think it's like i've always had this thing and i feel like acting is the closest thing that i can approach to it you know people ask me like what would your what would you want your super superpower to be or a skill that you would want to have and i I really, 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 really want to understand people. Um, And I want to understand people that I don't understand because we can all be like, oh, like we understand, we empathize with Brenda. And, you know, like maybe Brenda's easy to empathize with, but have you ever like come across those people that you're like, I just can't understand why in a million years anyone would ever do something like that. That's insane. And I can't even begin to imagine a world where those decisions would be made just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I have, I run into that a lot. You know what I mean? Like I, as much as I love people, I also am sometimes like, what the fuck people, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. acting gives me a really cool opportunity to actually like see inside the worlds of other people who their lives are drastically different from mine. And so then it, it's really exciting. You know, it gives me empathy and understanding for people who I wouldn't necessarily have empathy and understanding for, or it gives me this ability to like situations that I may be critical of. Once you start wearing that character and sort of getting a concept of like, Oh, well, Whoa. Yeah. If I mm-hmm. had this and this, or these were my circumstances. Oh, okay. I get this, you know? Um, and so that's a really, really exciting part for me about acting and it's it just, I mean, I, I just love that. I love film. It's like the love of my life, you know? I mean, I, 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 could, I couldn't, 
I couldn't tell. <laughs> Not at all. It seems like you hate it. You seem very bored with it. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. That's fun. Uh, so, okay, cool. So I just want to move on to the next part here. And these are fantastic answers. Thank you yeah. very, very much for your candidness. That oh, is yeah. Be- absolutely beautiful. Um, so I just want to our last part of our show here right now. And these are five questions I'm going to ask you. I'm so excited. Now, these five questions are totally random, uh, very simple, and we're going to start. Yay. All right. So uh, what is your favorite one-line joke? Oh, uh, the- <laughs> this is so dumb. Um, <laughs> what, a <Good>. gay- <laughs> what a gay horses eat. Oh, no. I know this. Please go ahead. <laughs> hey. <laughs> There used to be, there's, there's a short story that goes behind that is there used to be, I lived in Berkeley for two years and there was this guy on Telegraph and he was, he didn't have a name. He was the joke man. He was just the joke man. Right. And he was like, I don't know. He was like quasi homeless, but, um, he would just sit out and he would like tell jokes, which I feel like is the best way to be. Like, I wish that every single person who was like out in the streets, like wanting money would just be a joke man, because that would just be the best. Like you just love jokes and his jokes were funny. And that was the joke that he always told. <laughs> it's a good one, man. Yeah, it's a great one, man. It's a good one. So my, my son has my favorite. My favorite. He said this to me not too long ago. He's 10. So mm-hmm. this, this is a fifth grade joke. This is good. It's uh, what it. do you call what do you call a cow with no legs? I don't know ground beef <laughs> it's my favorite he said it to me and I, he, he came up to me one day at work i was at work he came over he's like i got this joke for you tell me i i fell over laughing it was the most ridiculous dumbest thing his dumb jokes are the best oh they're, they're awesome yeah they're fantastic yeah they're the best all right uh do you have a go-to karaoke song oh man well, I mean, I was a karaoke MC at the most popular karaoke bar in all of Los Angeles for two no years. No kidding. Mm-hmm. I was. Wow. I was. And um, I don't, I don't, I can't just pick one, to be honest. I can't just pick one, but I've got, right. there's, uh, there's fame. It's a really good one. Um, oh, oh okay. my gosh. And also, oh, what's that Snoop Dogg song? Uh yeah. It's a one, two, three, into the four. Snoop, doggy, dog, Dr. Dre. Dr. Dr. Dre is at your door. <laughs> Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Because you know I'm about to rip shit up. Give me the microphone first so I can burst like a bubble. Compton and Long Beach together. Yeah, you know we in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low down, going crazy. <laughs> that's, that's one of my go-tos because I, I, I get really excited. That, I know. that is, I think it's ain't nothing but a G thing. Yeah, Dang. yeah. That's the song. I yeah, just okay, good. it. That was like... That was like the best part of this whole podcast. <laughs> it was very good. Well, because I started, it started to come to me, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I know this!" <laughs> yeah, that's my go-to karaoke song. That's my. Uh, I think you win the gold thing. star. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, I would do all. The, I would do a lot of the lyrics, but they're pretty. They're like not. They're for mature audiences only. So. I, I am in awe that you remember all those lyrics. That's Dude, I know, and I also oh I know lyrics to some ratchet, <laughs> super inappropriate rap songs. Like, um, like NWA has like when sure. I was in high school. I was like very into NWA, and they have some songs. And Easy E, 
there's mm-hmm. a song by Easy E that you're that like your mother would never want you to listen to. And I know, and like I don't know if I know the lyrics, all the lyrics to any songs, but the like one of the one songs. Well, no, I do because I can sing. But um, there's some really. Anyways, I can't even say the names, but I know some lyric mm-hmm. that'll just send you straight to hell. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have to say my favorite rap song is actually one of the more positive ones. It was by Ice Cube, who was an NWA, was um, when he did a solo career and it was Today Was a Good Day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great I have to, I absolutely love that. And it's just like, you're like, you know, I'm feeling really good for Ice Cube right now. Yeah. He's doing okay. No, you can feel it. Like, you can feel it. Yeah. Like, it's like when it's like 74 degrees, you know. Today mm-hmm. was like that, that day today nice. in my backyard it was a good day do you know my dog ate a freaking bird today did uh did she did he or she bring it back to you um no she like put she took it in her mouth and then like put it in some other part of the yard and then i think that she she has a like a couple holes that she like big holes that are her digging holes and uh-huh. i think they're cute so i let her have them and um I think she put it in her digging hole and then she picked it up and put it somewhere else. And then like next time I saw it, like she'd like eaten a lot of it. She's 16, dude. I was like, you go girl. Like, like, like how, if you're a grandma dog killing birds, like good on you. You know what I mean? She's she's living her best life, man. (laughs) She really is. She really is. She was having a good day. All right. Uh, I got another song question for you here. So, um, what song would best describe your work ethic? Um, she works hard for her money. I have a whole playlist. <laughs> I actually like literally have a playlist of songs that I listen to while making masks. And then one of them is like the one by Cage the Elephant that's been in my head literally like this past month. It's like, ain't no rest for the wicked. Money don't right. grow on trees. <laughs> that one. Ain't no rest for the wicked, I think. All right. Good choice. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right. Good. Uh, what is your best MacGyver moment? <sighs> that's such... I Hmm... I mean, I don't know if I've had like, cause when I think of MacGyver, I think of somebody who like diffuses a bomb, but like I've literally saved four lives. Like, no. st- Oh, really? straight dude, straight up. Like I, um, I'm weird. Like I swear, I think I'm like a superhero. Like I think that like someday I'm going to like, you know, like unlock, <laughs> like I'm going to step on an apple and then like a mushroom's going to pop out of the ground and then I'm going to like grow a little bit and you know, a video <laughs> game. I was trying to make that seem like a video game, but it just sounded real weird. But, um, I, uh, there's like, it's like very often when there's accidents, uh, mm-hmm. like I'll be the first person there, but I'm not there before the accident. Just to be clear, I don't cause the accidents. I had someone get shot and pull into my driveway one time. Oh, wow. I, like, and his wife, he had two kids in the car. The shooter was in the neighborhood. Um, like there was an active shooter in the neighborhood. Like basically this guy pulls into my driveway. I, I'm, I like came home. I'd had this like kind of a rough day and I was like, mm, can't wait to like watch, to like read some bad, like cheesy magazines and just relax. And then I mm-hmm. hear this like hysterical screaming outside and I go outside to see what happened. And there's like a woman, um, two kids, um, no, three kids in the car 
And then this guy's like bleeding. Like I thought originally he was bleeding out of his stomach. Luckily he wasn't. He got shot when they told me later he was shot in the arm and in the leg. But he was like literally like going pale, passing out. She's on the phone with 911. She passes it over to me. I'm telling the guy to like look at things to keep him conscious. And um, and the 911's walking me through how to stop the bleeding. I mean, he was bleeding Jesus. a lot. Um and and then like literally I'm there like stopping the bleeding and the son's like, hey dude, like watch out, like the shooter's still in the neighborhood. And so then I had to get the kids and the whole family to go into my house. And the woman was it was in hysterics and she wouldn't leave him. And I was like, I gotta get this woman for her safety mm. and everyone's safety. You gotta get her in my house. So I so I routed them into my home. And it was funny, I opened the door, <laughs> I knock on the door. <laughs> And my roommate answers. And then like I've got like a family. And I'm like, I'm like, you need to take everyone to the back of the house right now. I was like, do not sit in the living room, go as far back into the house as you can. And then I shut the door and walked away. <laughs> like, what in the world? Because I didn't want them to get shot through the front window if there was an active shooter in the neighborhood. Absolutely. So, yeah. Then I yeah. go back around and you know, um, and the 911's walking me through how to stop bleeding, which I also now I've taken a whole course on disaster medicine, which is very helpful, but um, or not a whole course, but I did a workshop. Um, and then then the paramedics came. And as soon as they came, I was like, you guys can take over from here. I'm out. Peace <laughs> yeah. out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I think you guys know how to stop bleeding better than I do. Um, but and one time I got into a car accidentally with murderers. That's a whole other story. I'll save that for another time. Wow. Well, that's going to be a part two because that sounds an amazing story too. <laughs> it was accident. I'll tell the very, very, very short version um, because I don't want people to think that I hang out with murderers. There was a guy, I was I was at work. I was walking across the parking lot to get a drink of water and because uh, we had this like Kangen machine in the other, in this other building. And I uh -huh. hear a car accident like in, you know, out of the side of my ear or whatever. So then I walk towards it and I'm like, somebody must be hurt. And so I walk, I don't know, literally like a couple blocks and then see this guy He's hurt. He's bleeding. He's like laying down on the side of the road. And I thought that he had been hurt from a car accident because there's a car that had run into a pole right across the street from him. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's a woman next to him who they're not related. And I wanted to make sure the guy's okay. So then this car swoops. It all happened very fast. And this car swoops by and I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to the hospital with you guys. Um, and I get in the car with them. Um bad decision so they're like driving mm. really fast and running red lights and like mm. uh, it was crazy anyways i finally had them let me out of the car because i literally thought i was gonna die and this is what's insane this is what's like literally mm. the most insane part of the story so then i tell the story i go back to work <laughs> i like go all the way to the hospital get into an uber who later on like two years later, the girl who was my Uber driver in that incident turned out to be my makeup artist on set, which is just no, yeah, like she was like, I wow. know you, and I was like, Wait, did I get into your car after I got into a car with murderers? <laughs> she was like, Oh my god, this is literally like we were shooting a pilot, and I was like, This is crazy. Um, but <laughs> anyway, so I get into this girl's car, she drops me back off at work, and I'm like, go back in and I'm like, oh my God, you guys, this is so crazy. So I tell my friend a story. She tells our other friend a story. Then our other friend calls me up and she's like, Elizabeth, you will not believe what just happened. I was, a, I was sitting at home in my apartment and I witnessed a shooting and the guys who were the shooters are the guys you got into a car with. 
No. Yeah. They got arrested when they got to the hospital. So that's how Elizabeth was in a car with murderers. Wow, man. And you made it. And that's fantastic. (laughs) And I have literally like, like so many stories like that. Those are maybe the top ones, but I, I mean, like I'm kind of, I'm Spider Man. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah. yeah, I'm Batman. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, if you ever, I mean, like, I'm good, man. I'm good under in a crisis. Like, I will save your life. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what to say to that. <laughs> you got me, man. Yeah. You got me. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll never have to. All right. So, uh, last question here. Mm-hmm. So, if you were given a large sum of money to start a business, what type of business would you create? Oh, the film, film and arts company for sure. That's a no brainer. Um, like Elizabeth Donaldson productions or yeah. something like along those lines, like your own production film company. I mean, I mean, what, how much money are we talking about? I just said large sum. It's whatever uh, you want it to be. I mean, if I, what I would love to do if I, if it was like baller money is, is that I would love to, I mean, there's a couple of things that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I would definitely want to create like my own, uh, production company, but also like creative and production company, because I, I like, I would love to, at some point in my career as an artist do like art installations in the middle of a forest and like, like that kind of shit. Like I'm into that stuff. Um, nice. and like fine art, like I would love to have, you know, a fine art chapter of my life. Um, but I would also love to have sort of part of that be something that would assist and give grants to other artists so that they can have access to get their projects off the ground. Um, cause I nice. really believe in that. Um, and also educating, you know, uh, doing some projects that would like help kids, um, get apprenticeships in art and film and specifically like, you know, maybe kids who wouldn't normally have the opportunity to have access to equipment and things like that. Um, and then on the totally other side of this, because I've been thinking about this a lot recently, um, I really want to to do something that in a, in a nonprofit way that really contributes to literacy and education. Because I was wow. when I was really pondering, you know, like especially because it's been coronavirus. When I really take a look at everything, even like in weird stuff like working at the grocery store and observing large quantities of people and observing how people like people get confused. And the Mm -hmm. more that I think about it, the more I'm like literally every single problem that we have like on this planet boils down to education and knowledge. And Mm -hmm. if people, if people had access to knowledge, but even more so if they knew how, if they had the tools to correctly read and assimilate knowledge, we would really, it's just the answer to everything. I really do believe that it is the answer to everything. So the more I think about it, you know, in terms of causes that I would like to champion or solutions that I'd like to champion. Cause I like human rights, you know, I'm really into human rights and things like that. But, um, mm-hmm. I just, I just see knowledge and education as one of the biggest solvents that we could bring to this planet. And so I would really like to, to get involved with that in some way. I don't know what that'll look like, but I'm very interested in contributing towards that motion. Wow. That's a- amazing. That's just an awesome way to look at a foundation for building a world, <laughs> a really good world. Yeah, that's that's great. You. I like the world you want to make. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I like, it too. I like it too. I just want to help people be their best. You know, like I don't want to, 
the it's like the older I get and the more I human, the more I realize that I don't have um I don't really want to give people advice, you know, like I have mm-hmm. what works for me, but I don't know. Like there's there's stable datums and laws that are, that generally are effective for like across large bases of people, but I don't think that there's like a right or wrong way to do this thing. Um, but I do think that there are tools that everyone could have that will help them carve out their very best path. And that's all I want for people. I just want them to carve out their very best path. And I want to help them do that in any way I can, you know? I love it. You reminded me of, um, do you ever read a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I never have. I totally need to. So I'll give away part of the book. Yeah, do it. It's fine. So, um, it's the, they go to this computer, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this computer. It's a, they ask this question, like, what's the meaning of life? And he says, 42. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense when he says the answer, but you have to be a computer programmer to understand this. And the 42 stands for um, a type of, it's, a, it's like a graphical piece in the computer language. I think it's an asterisk. And that asterisk is actually a notation that's left by a programmer. And it's something you put in there about whatever you want it to be. So in the book, it says the meaning of life is whatever you want it to be. I love that. I know. And it's a really brilliant kind of hidden message that you would have to be a computer programmer to really understand the underlying meaning of that book or that what that computer is saying. That's awesome. So it's exactly what you're saying. And it's something that I really feel like you've summarized in a really big way. It's like it's, it's what you want it to be, man. You want to be an artist like this. It's what you want it to be. Yeah. What you want to say is what you want to say. Yes. And that's great. Yep. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, is there anything you would like to talk about that you're working on and or promote? Man, um, I mean, just all of it. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a quarantine journey. So I, obvi- I, I feel mm-hmm. like I talked a lot about Rattled. You know, Rattled is mm-hmm. a film that I have coming out um, hopefully this year, depending on, you know, festivals and things. And and then also um, Mags and Julie go on a road trip as uh, the comedy that I shot last summer. So I'm really excited mm-hmm. about both of those. Um, and yeah, I'm just I, I don't know. I'm very. I'm just really excited about living these days. <laughs> good <laughs> you know, like, I don't know like I've, I've almost become like like hippie-ish in terms of like I suddenly realized that that just like communicating broadly and like and being kind of in the thing that you're in is a very positive thing and that like all promotion leads to you know everybody's going to find that the pocket of me that they want to find but those those two movies are should be coming out this year I'm very proud of them. I'm very proud of the people who made them. Um, And, you know, Ryan, the director, uh, writer, director of Mags and Jules go on a road trip is she's just a real force of a human. Um, Mm -hmm. She's a real badass and I really love her and she really cares um, a lot about other people, you know, and um, I'm excited about the stuff that she's creating in the future. And, and then, you know, a lot of our, we have, a lot of the actors who were in that film, it's been neat to watch them blossom. They're like out there moving and grooving. So how cool. Yeah. I'm just proud of my peeps. You know, I'm really, <laughs> I feel really like hashtag blessed. You know, I I'm really excited about everything that I've been able to do. So man, you are so supportive of your friends too. Oh, That's thank great. You. Thank yeah. you. Well done. Thank you. Um, 
thank you again for your generosity. I know you're incredibly busy. You have a lot going on. I really appreciate your time. And I'm sure yeah. my listeners do too. These are fantastic stories. Yay. Um, you. It's been my absolute pleasure. It's been really nice talking to you. Yeah, same here. Hey, man, continue with your success. Keep going onward and upward. We'll yeah. talk soon. Yes, absolutely. Right. Bye. Bye.